welcome to the Goal Lines Podcast, your mid-Missouri football guide. If you don't already subscribe, find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's installment of the News Tribune Football Podcast featuring the Jefferson City Jays. I'm your host, Tony Hawley, sitting here with Trevor Hahn of the News Tribune, and before Trevor and I start to discuss things this week, let's listen to a little bit of Trevor's conversation with Jays head coach, Damon Wells. All right, well, before we get into uh, the important game this week, I guess we can rebound to last week. It was another uh, very uh, close game that you guys had to battle through, but you guys found your way out on the right side. So just kind of how proud are you of the way they fought that game? I was incredibly proud of the boys um, to have to travel so far to face a quality football team um, when the stakes were the highest, and for them to respond the way they did uh, was incredibly impressive. Yeah, and you guys uh, opened up the passing game a lot that game. I think Jacob ended up with 230 yards passing far and away his season and career high. So just how proud are you of the way he was able to perform on the big stage? You know, it was fantastic. And what I say is that anytime somebody puts up numbers like that, it just means a lot of people are doing a lot of things right. So it was absolutely a group effort. And um, I was incredibly proud that it happened when it mattered most. Yeah, and uh, you guys bought seven more days. I know that's the mantra of the team. And you you get a home game on this field uh, on a Saturday of the Thanksgiving week. So just kind of how cool is this to be a part of? It's fantastic. Coach Redkay just said that the statistic is that this is the 13th time in the history of the program that there's been a Thanksgiving Day practice. So um, it's an honor and a privilege to be part of it. Yeah, and you get a Carney team coming in here that's won 10 straight games, and none of those have even been one-score games. So just kind of what have you noticed from them early on? Uh, they're tough. They're incredibly tough. They're talented, well-coached, um, talented players. Um, it, we definitely have our hands full. Yeah, and just offensively from them, uh, just kind of what have you noticed early stages of prep from their offense? Um, very diverse. They, they, they like to spread the ball around. Um, they're... they're full of tricks there but they're sound at the same time so like I said it's going to be a big task yeah and just defensively it's a unit that hasn't given up more than 21 points in a game since week three so just kind of what have you noticed from them sound just very sound their kids are physical Uh, they play hard and very well coached and just kind of keys for you guys what are you guys going to need to come out on the right side of this one you know we're going to have to minimize explosives um, and we're going to have to be able to stack first downs that we can't just go three and out we're gonna have to be able to hold on to the football and try to sustain some drives yeah and just uh, what are you expecting from the environment out here on Saturday because obviously it's been 22 years since a game that's been hosted here has been this important you know the environment's going to be fantastic no matter what because it's it's a Saturday afternoon Thanksgiving weekend um uh, I'm sure it's going to be just a tremendous day all righty thanks coach all right that was Jay's head coach Damon Wells uh, Trevor, we've talked about it a couple times, you know, as the season keeps going on and going on and going on, uh, the Jays are still playing, and I'm sure that's something that's very exciting to both the players and their fans. Yeah, we're, st- we're, still, do- we're still podcasting at this yeah, point of the year. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, Lucky us. It's quite a time for, for Jefferson City right now. They're putting together one of their best runs in a very long time, and uh, 
it's obviously coming in class four. It's not class six like they used to be, but it, it's still been a pretty magical run, and it's been a lot of fun to cover it. And uh, yeah, it was a real good game last week. I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. I was gonna say the the reason they're still playing is they were able to post a kind of a roller coaster of a 31-28 win at McDonald County last Saturday. Yeah, roller coaster is kind of to say the least. Uh, once again, we talked about last week headed into the game that the first five to six minutes are going to be very important. It was McDonald County's first appearance in the state tournament. Uh, obviously, they were getting that game at home. So it was a very energized group, very energized crowd, uh, long ways from home. So it was a tough environment to walk into, and it showed. Uh, they fell down 14 nothing very quickly, and were down 14 nothing after the first quarter, and then... Everything kind of switched with the Bradarius Lewis misdirection draw, I guess is what I like to call it, that the 73-yard touchdown run. Uh, it was third and 12, I believe. Absolutely nothing was going for them. They go to that play. McDonald, McDonald County didn't realize who had the ball until Lewis was past the 50-yard line. Okay. He was a good 30 yards downfield, and uh, by the time he crossed the goal line, the nearest defender was maybe within 40 yards. Okay. So it was a pretty laughable touchdown, and then everything switched from that point. The defense came away with two key stops. They scored two more touchdowns. They took a 21-14 to lead into halftime. Uh, had to be feeling pretty good, uh, but McDonald County got the ball off half. They immediately went and tied the game. Jeff City answered with a field goal to take a brief three-point lead, and then McDonald County uh, retook the lead with a touchdown. And then it looked like Jeff City was going to go down and maybe retake the lead themselves, but a tip pass ended up in an interception about halfway through the fourth quarter. I think there were six six minutes and change left, so they didn't have the ball and down four against a run-heavy team like McDonald County was. Things weren't looking too good for them, but the defense came up with a fourth down stop. Immediately, big play to Zach Barnes, got him in, inside the 15, and then Zach Barnes ran in the go-ahead touchdown, and then... Defense got a four and out, turnover on downs to kind of clinch the game. They went into the victory formation for the second straight week. So how much of this do you think is just, um, I don't know, every team learns something from every game and every team kind of takes certain lessons away from certain games. How much of this is just them, you know, maybe... You know, maybe the Ple the Pleasant Hill game the week before, learning how to win a tight game late, and kind of you know, you know, we talked about the the two easy games to open districts, but I think you know it kind of looks like it's maybe a team that's figuring out okay what a complete game effort is going to be, and that the game's not necessarily over after you know they were down fourteen after a quarter, and then they were up at halftime, and then they were down after the third quarter. So it seems like you know maybe they're a team that's figuring out that yeah we're gonna we're gonna play a complete game in order to keep playing at this time of year. Yeah, definitely. And I mentioned it last week uh, when Pleasant Hill tied that district championship game at 34. Uh, I don't think last year's team would have came out on the right side of that. So, yeah, rolling off that point, I think the team kind of found out within themselves kind of what they can accomplish in those close games and, and when adversity does hit, how they respond. Because talking to the players after the game, asking them kind of what was going through their head, they're down by four. They throw an interception and uh, – they hadn't shown any signs of stopping McDonald County since the second quarter. So right. it's kind of what's going through your guys' head. Immediately, all of them were, we didn't blink. It's, let's go get a stop. So right. And uh, they were able to respond in a big way. And uh, like you mentioned, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the Pleasant Hill game the week prior. Because in my two years covering this team, they're ha they haven't played in many close games. There's only been two or three, honestly, leading up into the last two weeks that have been... Uh, there might have been a few other than that that were one-score finals, but uh, 
that like one possession game at the very end where it's one or two plays are going to decide it. They hadn't been in that position many times, so it is kind of a learning curve. But it seems like they may be a little ahead of that uh, ahead of that learning curve. Yeah. So the Jays are now nine and four, and you know biggest game in in a while for this team comes up today, uh, one o'clock at Atkins Stadium. So you're at home for a game where you you know it it's always behooves you to get as many of those as you can. They're going to get one today. The trouble is you're going to be playing a very very good team at home today in the state semifinals. With Carney comes in with an eleven two record and a you know ten game winning streak. Yeah, uh, Carney has not lost in a very long time. They <laughs> they lost two of their first three games, and from what I can tell, that that second loss to the number one team in Class Four, who they ended up avenging later in the season, they were without their starting quarterback for that. So they were kind of backed up against the wall, not full strength, and uh, that performance really showed. It's a twenty point loss at Smithville, but ever since then, my gosh, they have been dominant. Uh, you mentioned that they've won the 10 games prior. They have not allowed more than 13 points in any of those games. Yeah. Uh, they have scored at least 29 in every one of those games, <laughs> right. including seven 40-plus point outbursts. So yeah. um, It's a team that's firing on all cylinders. It's the fourth-ranked team in the state. So, uh, yeah, all the signs are pointing to this being an extremely difficult test for the Jays. So we'll kind of touch on both sides, but... If you had to say, okay, the key to this game is, is it stopping the Carney offense or scoring against that Carney defense that's not allowing things, which is going to be maybe the bigger of the two keys while no- noting that both will be important today. I think it's scoring against the Carney defense and scoring against the Carney defense early. Okay. Um, I think they kind of have to come out and uh, send a message here and uh, kind of rolling off that early point. Emotions are going to be really high in this game. It's the first state semifinal Jeff City's hosted since 2001. Yeah. Nobody on that field was born the last time right. Jeff City hosted a game of this magnitude. it's The stands are going to be packed. There's going to be a lot of people from in town and out of town that come to this game. So uh, kind of like what I talked about last week and what McDonald County was able to do, take all of that excitement and channel it into something positive. And uh, getting to the Kearney defense, they, they've been – Stingy is the word I'm going to use, but that's an understatement. So kind of sending that message that you can score on a defense like that early and kind of making them second-guess their game plan is extremely important. Um, and on the other side, if you were to argue stopping them, uh, if <laughs> if they don't stop them, I don't think Jeff City's going to do too well in a shootout with this team. Right. But I think that they could make up for – points allowed early in the game if they're able to score on the other side, obviously. So, yeah, I, I do think uh, scoring against this Carney defense is going to be the kind of the biggest key to this one early on. So let me throw a hypothetical at you. So say the Jays win the toss. Are you taking the ball then and trying to score first? I might not. I'm a big advocate for deferring to the second half, okay. and I know Jeff City is the complete opposite. So I know what they're going to do if they win the toss. Okay. They will receive the ball. And in this scenario, I guess you can convince me that that might be the right move. Okay. So, what are the Jays going to have to, or what have the Jays been doing well that they need to either keep doing, or what do you think needs to be the key for them to maybe, let's just say that they can get enough stops and they can keep it close where it doesn't end up being Carney scoring 40. If you can keep Carney in the 20s, if the Jays are able to score in the 20s and best whatever that number is, you know, 28 to a 24, how are the Jays going to be able to do that today? Um, I think they have to continue the uh, the progress they showed in the pre- uh, passing game last week. Jacob Wilson ended up with 230 passing yards. Okay. That is not something I thought I would say this season. Right. Um, 
He had 15 pass attempts too, so it was downfield shots. McDonald County came out and played essentially 11 players in the box. Okay. Something Capital City has seen a lot this year and that we've talked about with Kyle on the other Goal Lines podcast. Jeff City hasn't seen that too much, and Jeff City made him pay for it. They yeah. continuously took shots down the field. Uh, outside of that 73-yard Bredarius Lewis touchdown run, the running game wasn't very effective for the first time this season. Okay. So um, kind of establishing that balance between the passing game and the running game because we know how good the Jays' rushing attack is. But if teams are going to sell out to the running game, you have to be able to keep them honest. And that's exactly what they did last week. So if they're going to be able to score on them, it's going to have to look like that. I would think you're going to have to show the passing game early, kind of get them to respect that, and then everything gets a whole lot easier from that point. So let's say that the Jays are able to score enough to make it interesting, and then they have to slow down Carney. I'm guessing with an offense that's that prolific, it's probably not just one guy or two guys. But who is maybe a key or keys for Carney today that if you can stop maybe this portion of the attack, you might have some success. They're uh, really worried about this Carney offense, not just from one or two guys. It's the fact that they will throw the kitchen sink at you offensively is what it seems like. They're, they're gonna they're not an option offense, but they will have plays where they have two or different uh, two or three different options of who's going to carry the football. They'll they'll show double passes. Like okay. they, it's a very creative offense, but it, it starts with Casey Rooney, their uh, starting quarterback that missed that first matchup with the uh, against Smithville. He's completed uh, over fifty percent of his passes. He's over fifteen hundred passing yards this season, and he has twenty one touchdowns. Uh, but he's also a big threat with his legs. Uh, very quick kid that could uh, break off. Chunk Gaines sure. from, from time to time. and then, Our favorite. Yeah, favorite player, <laughs> Chunk Gaines. And then outside of him, Cameron Emmons is, I think is how you pronounce his last name, Emmons, is going to be the top back. And that's a, he's kind of a smaller kid. Okay. Uh, I think he's only 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, closer to 200 pounds. But he's a powerful runner, and he seems like a very difficult guy to tackle. Just kind of that high motor type guy that's never going to give up on a play. So they definitely have their eyes on him. And then in the receiving game, it's it's a lot of Manny Linthicum. Uh, he caught his 10th touchdown of the season last week. He's now over 700 yards on just north of 30 catches. So okay. he's a huge big play guy. Right. So that's a guy that they're looking out for. And it was something that was mentioned multiple times of limiting explosive plays, whether that's in the running game or the passing game. So um, eye discipline is going to be huge in this one, which is something that Jeff City's kind of struggled with from time to time. So that could be kind of worrisome. But those three are the ones that you look out for most. But it was definitely mentioned time and time again that there's going to be a lot of different people that touch the football. Okay. Obviously, it is a simple thing to say, but <laughs> the team that comes in probably with more of its players feeling good and feeling ready for this game is going to be the team that probably has more success. How is the overall health of the team coming into this one, and how are they in terms of you know having the full complement of guys they want to have going into this one? So it seems like everybody's going to be available for this game. Okay. but uh, yeah. Available is an interesting word, so I'm, expound on that. I'm getting there. So <laughs> being on the sideline in the fourth quarter last week, about halfway through the fourth quarter, you look up and down the sideline, you have guys cramping, getting stretched out. You have guys limping. Right. It's It looked like they... I don't even know what to say. They they got beat up in that game, okay. and they were kind of beat up going into that game. Uh, Cantrell Jordan, who's the second leading rusher on the team, came in with a high ankle sprain, uh, kind of re-injured that in the first series. Uh, he continued to play the rest of the game, but 
looked nowhere near like himself and kind of what I've been used to watching him. Uh, saw him at practice earlier this week. He he looked better, but there's definitely still a noticeable limp when he's not running at full speed during a game. And then Zach Barnes, who had a really big game, it looked like he got some sort of a, a bone bruise in his knee. Okay. Um, he was kind of limping around after the game. He still has a little bit of a limp in his walk, but saw him run around at practice. He's, he looks pretty good. So he's going to be available. And then there's just a bunch of nagging injuries on top of that. I know Jake Rowling was uh, not feeling too well late in that game. But he is just one of probably 25. That was (laughs) – it was kind of crazy. I definitely made a point to ask the players about it. It's like you look up and down that sideline and – Everybody looked like they were hurt. How'd you guys finish that game? Because right. a lot of these kids are still playing both ways somehow. And it's they just kept saying that they had to keep telling themselves that the other team was also playing both ways. And they've played just as many games as they have. So it's the same battle for both teams. I'm sure Carney's dealing with some nagging injuries as well. But I wouldn't say Jeff City's definitely coming into this one at full strength, okay. even though everybody's going to be available. So we're getting towards the prediction point of the podcast. And while I want to know who's going to win a Class 4 semifinal, I'm going to start with the other Class 4 semifinal first. Uh, that one matches up Hillsborough and Lutheran North. So who does the winner of this Jays Carney game get when they get to a state title next week? you got to uh, lean towards Lutheran North in that sure one. Their <laughs> offense has been unreal right. uh, ever since they got their starting quarterback uh returning from injury and yeah they're, they're coming off a 70 point performance against Hannibal they allowed 61 correct but if you're gonna allow 61 scoring 70 is the way to go right um I yeah, don't in know their playoff game so far they've scored 64 54 and 70 so that's fairly decent I don't know too much about Hillsborough. I mean, I I know their resume is very good. They're eleven and one for a reason, right. and they're the number three ranked team in the state. So right. they're definitely going to be no pushover. But when you look at the four teams remaining in Class Four, you got to look at Lutheran North as the pretty heavy favorite at this point. All right, so then that gets us to our game. And does the does kind of the miracle season, the kind of out of nowhere season for the Jays, continue with one more game that is going to be a state title game? <sighs> I've given a lot of thought to this, and I'm still not 100% sure where I'm going to lean. I, I guess I have to pick Carney to win this one, and I hope Jeff City uses this as fuel. Okay. I hope they're not too mad at me, which I know I'm going to hear about it. But, I mean, Carney is the clear favorite on paper. Does Jeff City have a chance to win this game? Of course. Right. That's the old adage. That's why you play the game. Right. And if Jeff City comes out and comes storming out of the gates and kind of reverses the script from last week, if they're leading 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, I think they have a very good chance of closing out that game. I'm just not fully convinced that that's going to happen. And if this Carney team takes a lead early in the game, it's going to be real difficult to play catch up against that defense and a power running offense that – has, uh, I mean, we mentioned their resume over the last 10 games. It's about as impressive as it gets, and there's a 16-point win over the number one team in, in the state in that. So I will stick with the Bulldogs. I will keep it close. I will go 28-24, Carney. All right, that should do it for this week. For Trevor Hahn, I'm Tony Hawley saying thanks for listening. For more information about this week's game, pick up a copy of the Goal Line section in Friday's News Tribune and get game updates and more prep sports content all week by following Trevor Hahn on Twitter at TrevHahn3. That's T-R-E-P-H-A-H-N-3. Thanks for listening.